Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back with another episode of the Kentucky 15. Your UK news, recaps, and storylines brought to you in just 15 minutes or less. No fluff, no wasted time, or nothing off topic. 15 minutes or less of what you need to know about the state of Kentucky basketball. So here we go. The clock starts now. Kentucky, as you guys all know, lost a very, very heartbreaking game to Georgia last night. Uh, this was this was bad, guys. This was really bad. They were ranked last in the SEC. The Cats had the lead for most of the game, uh, but more importantly had a one-point lead with under 30 seconds left. Uh, had the lead with, with a minute left, and we got nothing out of our last possession. The Askew misses the front end of a one-and-one. Then the Cats get beat on an out-of-bounds play. It was gut-wrenching. It was heartbreaking. A Kentucky team that hasn't caught a break all year still didn't catch one last night in Georgia. Okay, The Cats score only 62 points in the loss. That's bad. Uh, that's not just bad in basketball in general, but here's three recent games from Georgia. They gave up 95 points to Auburn. They gave up 99 points to Arkansas, and they gave up 94 points to LSU, and Kentucky scored 62. Couldn't even put up put up 65 points. And this is a night in which B.J. Boston actually played really well. So maybe you could have said, ah, Kentucky usually kind of struggles to score because B.J. Boston doesn't play well. Well, he played well. He had 18 points, 18 pretty efficient points, and Kentucky still didn't even get to 65 points. This team is an offensive mess. It is full of woes. It is full of weaknesses. This was a terrible Pathetic performance by UK in every possible way except for their defense. Okay, Kentucky is still a very strong defensive team. However, shooting, passing, toughness, coaching, it was all bad. Okay, but again, let's get to a positive here. BJ Boston was good. Uh, He played 33 minutes off the bench. Okay, he had 18 points and seven rebounds. And what I'm going to say is his best real game of the the season. I'm not going to count the early fluff against uh, against Moorhead. Cal rolled the dice. Brought him off the bench, just like he did earlier in the year when Devin Askew was struggling. And it worked, just like it worked with with Askew. And he started bringing his game. He started elevating his game. He started developing. Well, Boston comes off the bench, still gets 33 minutes. Boston comes off the bench and scores 18 points, grabs seven rebounds. Okay, Boston played his best all-round game of the year. And hopefully that's the kick in the butt that he needed. Hopefully this is the shot of momentum that he needed going forward. Because, I mean, if, if Kentucky has any chance of ever scoring more than 70 points in a game again, they need him playing well. Okay. Now, Sar wasn't great. Uh, the big man in the post wasn't very good, but he did have 16 points and he grabbed 13 rebounds. Now, uh, the bad part is he played 31 minutes. So he scored six points in 31 minutes. Okay. We need him to be better. Isaiah Jackson, I thought Isaiah Jackson actually looked pretty good at times, okay? He didn't put together a a full game, a great game. He actually only played 21 minutes, which is a little surprising, okay? Because he had 12 points, he had four rebounds, and he had four blocks in 21 minutes. If you get Isaiah Jackson's number up to 25 minutes, maybe up to 28 minutes, that might be a huge difference in the game, okay? 12 points in 21 minutes compared to SARS, six points in 31 minutes. To me, something on that bench needs to change. One of those assistants need to be in Cal's ear more than they are, okay? Jackson could have helped propel that team to to a win just based on those stats and, and the limited minutes he played. 
Burks had a decent game, 12 points. You know, he was re uh, the recipient there of, um, you know, the, the flagrant foul free throws and technical free throws. But Brooks had a pretty decent game, 12 points. And if we can keep him right around that, maybe, you know, that 10 to 15 point range, I think that is, is huge for the Cats, okay? Dante Allen, Kentucky's not going to like this. Dante Allen had 22 minutes, okay? He did start the game, but he only played 22 minutes. He only had three points, but he did grab three rebounds, okay? I I don't think 22 is the number they're looking for. You know, if if you're going to give, you know, Olivier Sar 31 minutes for, you know, a total of six points, then I think Dante Allen can get out there and play more than 22 minutes, okay? Um, I, I, I just don't understand... And I know a lot of Big Blue Nation is with me. I just don't understand the patterns here and the personnel decisions the staff makes. I mean, Jackson had a heck of a game, 12 points, 4 rebounds, 4 blocks, only 21 minutes. Saar, 6 points in only 31 minutes. Devin Askew played 30 minutes and had a terrible game. Why is Dante Allen not getting more of those minutes? Okay, so the confusion with Calipari and his personnel continues. I mean, he starts Lance Ware, but he plays only 44, sorry, he plays only four minutes and he never goes back in. I mean, you're rewarding this kid for, you know, everything that you've been saying in press conferences and, and the heart and the toughness and stuff like that. Then you give him four minutes and you don't put him back in. I, I'm not entirely sure I understand that. And again, that's 31 minutes to Sar when he only had six points. So I, I just really don't understand some of these decisions. Um, you know, Sar didn't have a great game. Uh, Jackson didn't have a phenomenal game, but I, I, I still don't understand how where got four minutes. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. But to me, the biggest concern is actually Cal's personnel decision with Devin Askew and why Askew was in the game down the stretch. Here's his last three possessions, and I'm sure you guys know this. Here's his last three true possessions. He turned the ball over. Okay. His man hits an uncontested three with Askew just standing there. And then Askew is fouled, and he misses the front end of a one-on-one -on -one bonus situation. So Askew had zero made field goals on the night. Zero. He was 0 for 6 from, from the field. Okay, He had 30 minutes. He had five turnovers and zero made field goals. So let me ask you, what had he done during that game that warranted him being on the court in a close game down the stretch? He was visibly upset with Calipari. Calipari was hounding him. Calipari was all over him. He was screaming at him. And Askew was visibly frustrated. He was visibly upset. He showed his anger back towards Calipari. That shows me he was not in the mental state to be playing down the stretch. He had zero confidence because not only had he been yelled at the entire game, he also hadn't made a field goal. And not only had he not made a shot, but he also had five turnovers. And for any guard, especially any kind of point guard, you know that number five, it feels like 100, okay? So again, let me ask you, what had Askew done that warned him being in the game down the stretch like that? He had just turned it over. Remember, he had just, <clears throat> excuse me, he had... And I'm talking about the last possession now, but he had just turned it over, at, just had his man hit a shot on him. So Cal calls a timeout with one minute left. That's going to be Kentucky's last true possession of the game. What the hell did Calipari do in that timeout? I have no idea what he decided. He says after the game about how Askew's not comfortable with the ball in his hands. He's not comfortable being on the ball. Well, what happens when Calipari calls that timeout? Kentucky comes out and sets a high ball screen for Askew. Exactly the opposite of what Calipari says makes Askew comfortable. So either he's lying or he intentionally put a player in an uncomfortable situation. So Sar sets a high ball screen, like like 
you know, 10 feet beyond the three-point line. Sar sets that high ball screen. Askew can't get past his man. That's not that's not what he does. Okay. Askew doesn't get past his man. The ball screen is set so high that Sar's man never even leaves the paint. He just sits back there. Okay. Now, Sar just rolls right into him. He had pick and roll. He rolls right into him. We've seen Sar pick and pop. He would have been wide open if he popped. Wide open. His man sank down into the paint. And Askew's man climbed with him. And so Askew is basically going one on two. Instead of Sar popping, he just dies right into the paint, right into his man. Not open, okay? So Askew kicks it to Boston, and then it turns into dribble nonsense. Uh, Boston kicks it, and then Mintz kicks it, and then Askew gets it back and kicks it, and then Boston gets it. By that time, the shot clock is running out, and Boston is forced to throw up a floater to beat the shot clock. I don't blame that on Boston at all. I, I mean, he that's a heads-up play. He at least got a shot off before the clock ended. But how do you not get anything going to the basket? How do you not go to a tried and true trusted set, you know, an X's and O, you know, uh, specialty here in which you could have got your team a really good chance at a great look or a chance to get to the free throw line? We don't do any of that. How about this? Where's Dante Allen? At least having him in the game would spread the floor. It would open a driving lane for someone or it would take away help side, you know, going into the post. Why are we setting such a high ball screen with Sar, having him roll instead of pop? Nothing, nothing, and I mean nothing, and that last possession made any sense to me, okay? Again, I at least think you can put Dante Allen in there and help spread the floor. They have to honor him as a shooter. Run him off of a screen and have that screener, such as Sar, such as Jackson, such as Keon Brooks, maybe slip to the basket. Maybe they'll be so concerned about Dante Allen that you can slip. You can open up to the ball, and you can catch something going to the hoop. The bottom line, guys, Big Blue Nation, the bottom line is the players aren't playing very well at all, and the coaches aren't coaching very well. And most importantly, this is a poorly constructed roster. There is no identity whatsoever. Absolutely no identity. There's no great shooter on the team because Cal doesn't want to play Dante. There's no true point guard on the team. There's no dude who can create his own dribble. There's no dominant post player. There is no identity for this team whatsoever. Something that needs to be said, though, was last night, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Shout out to Kyle Tucker, my boy. He asked the tough, valid question. He asked Calipari, how much does UK miss Kenny Payne? I think that is something a lot of us are thinking, and kudos there to, to Kyle for asking that question. Cal, Cal, you know, and he kind of danced around it, but how much more important was KP to this program than any of us really knew? We all knew he was a great recruiter. We all knew that the guys loved him, and we all knew that he develops the post players. But how much more important was KP to this program than any of us really knew? All these coaches' meetings, all these film sessions, and all the, the, the scouting reports and the game strategy, how much more important was KP than we really knew? As Calipari is chewing people out, as Calipari is screaming, as Calipari is yelling, he's not teaching. Okay, Was KP behind the scenes teaching when the players went to the bench? Was it KP who taught them? Okay, Was KP the one who instilled the toughness? Right? Are, are we not seeing these players develop across the season like we usually do? Because KP's not there. 
Okay, so I think this is something to keep in mind going forward. And and I know I had KP as a potential replacement for Cal whenever Cal decides to to hang it up. Uh, he's he's not on the hot seat. I know it's a miserable season, but you know is KP someone that we are going to now realize was so much more valuable than we ever thought? So does KP become a name a lot more of us? You know, start start talking about in our garages and in our basements and at the local bars. We'll see. Next episode, though, my thoughts on how we got here. How do we get to this poorly constructed roster? How did we get to this absolutely terrible season so far? And no, it doesn't have anything, in my opinion, to do with COVID. Every single team is going through COVID. Georgia was going through COVID. Georgia was 1-4 and four in the season, and they beat us. Okay, so next episode, my thoughts on how we got here, why we have the roster that we have, why Cal doesn't seem to be landing the dominant players anymore. Okay, all right, guys, stay tuned. Click, subscribe, share. Appreciate it.